Next to the last message on last words of Jesus on the cross. Uh, John the 19th chapter, a lot of information this morning. One word that you will hear, tetelestai, tetelestai. Say that with me, tetelestai. Great, 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 great. A lot of great words have been spoken down through the years. How many of you remember these words? The eagle has landed. That, of course, was spoken by Neil Armstrong, that historic event, July the 20th, 1969. Winning great football games, winning soccer matches, all of that. Southeastern University graduated the largest graduating class of any institution in the Assemblies of God historically this, uh, this past Friday night. A lot of great statements that were made. This is a great statement. You will understand how powerful it is during this message. It is what? Finished. finished. It is finished. Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was to fulfill one of the prophecies out of the Old Testament. Then he said, it is finished. He said several words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was a part of the prophecy fulfilled. Another, I thirst. You remember, that was a part of the prophecy that had to be fulfilled. The wine or the vinegar in the glass was part of the prophecy to be fulfilled. We know thousands of them came through, or hundreds of them came through in the several thousand years out of the Old Testament. The Gospel of John brings it into full focus in the 19th chapter, verse 28. Knowing that all was now completed. What does he mean when it states that everything that led to this event with him on the cross, and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Last week, remember? A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it and put the sponge on the stalk of hyssop plant, another prophecy fulfilled, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record these words, it is finished. It was not a cry of despair. It was not a cry of a martyr. It was a cry of victory. The Roman guards must have surely said, we're glad he said that because we're tired of guarding him. We cannot keep up with him. He's just drama all the way. The Roman government must have said, thank God we're ready to get rid of this insurrectionist that's stirring up so much problem. I'm glad he finally recognized it is finished. But here's what Jesus did not say. He said it is finished, but he didn't say I am finished. Big difference whole lot more to go. It is finished, but I'm not. Well, how are you going to manage a guy who's dead on the cross and goes in the tomb? Just hang in there. What did Jesus do when he said it was finished and those prophecies were fulfilled? He fulfilled John 4, 34. He said, my food is to do what God wants. He is the one who sent me and I must finish the work that he gave me to do. It is finished. In the Greek, that word that you said a few moments ago is this. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. It's a word that has several meanings from the Greek, and I'm going to share those with you now. It means I have accomplished it. 
It means the work is done. If you're an artist, you would take your artwork and color the canvas, and after hour after hour, and finally that final stroke on that painting, you would say, Telestai, you understood. That picture now is perfect. The final stroke has been accomplished. So when he said, it is finished, what did it mean to us? Here it is. He fulfilled the scripture. 380 of those Old Testament prophecies and promises were fulfilled. He stated this to those individuals that he actually served with during his time on earth. You will know the real Messiah and the true statement or the true Savior by these prophecies coming to pass. One, remember, Father, forgive them. Understand that? He said, you'll know that it is done. Those in the Old Testament only had what they know to be partial stories. Now, the Bible says that Jesus said, you'll see the road to the mess in just a little bit, that there were many individuals, of course, that, that said, okay, we know, we know, we hear about the Messiah, we know about the cross, etc. You will never read the word Jesus in the Old Testament, but here's what Jesus says about the Old Testament. Through the books of the Old Testament and the prophecies, you will see me and what happens to me throughout the Old Testament. Those of us who are here this morning, we understand more about the Old Testament today than those who actually lived in Jesus' day and those who lived in the Old Testament. He said, I want you to know that you will understand this why I am with you. Now, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, hung around for some 40 days before he ascended back to the Father. So a couple of the disciples, they're talking about, did our heart burn within us when we heard him teach? And it's wonderful, but he's dead. He's in the tomb. Jesus, of course, was resurrected, and he appears to them. Now, I don't know about you. If I knew someone was supposed to be in a tomb and dead and, and all that happened because of the crucifixion, and all of a sudden he showed up, that would really get my attention. How about you? And so Jesus said, this is what I told you. Look at me. I am risen from the dead. I am the Savior. I am the Messiah. But I told you all that before I died. This is what I happened when I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. Then he goes back to the, old, and the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms. He said, you may not see my name, but you look at the law of Moses, you look at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Obadiah, Micah, and the Psalms, all of them were talking about me. Every ritual that was performed was talking about me. And why did he say this to them? He said it, continuing, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. He told them, this is what is written that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. We have heard about the rapture. We have heard about Jesus' return. But just often as those out of the Old Testament and those who actually served with Jesus, 
we don't choose to comprehend sometimes. And it takes an element of faith to put your mind. Will the rapture really take place? We'll talk about that tonight. Is he really going to return? Is there really a trumpet? Is there really a heaven? This is what Jesus is telling these guys about what was said. He said, I told you it was true. I lived it out. And now I'm opening your mind. Telestestai. It says this, a judicial term. Telestestai. Stamp of approval that a person served their sentence in prison and telestai was typed right there, stamped on it. Justice has been served in that regard. So he fulfilled the scripture when he said, it is finished. But that was a scriptural fulfillment. Secondly, he satisfied the law. How many have ever been caught for speeding? All right, go ahead. It's all right, slip it up. I got my, I'll put two hands up. You've been caught for speeding. How many of you felt like you deserved it when you were caught? That's right. How many of you feel like you did not deserve getting caught for speeding? How many wished you hadn't have got caught? That's good. We only have one state trooper here this morning. He satisfied the law. So you were caught for speeding. Somebody came along and said, don't worry about it. I'll pay your fine. Mike Cooper, Mike Cooper's at the Dream Center preaching this morning. We had an event down at uh, Westside Park the other day, and I was talking to the chief police, Larry Giddens, here in Lakeland. There were about 20 officers gathered there. He said, Pastor, he said, do you know what Pastor Cooper said to me the other day? We were standing there among some of the law enforcement officers and the young guys, you know, not like these guys who are, who are captains and all that. He walked up and showed me, hey, chief, man, I really appreciate you for giving that ticket. And I got called for speeding, man. I really do appreciate it. He said it, it embarrassed him. Like, like I actually forgave a ticket for Mike Cooper. He knows that we doesn't do that. But he said that in front of those young officers. It shocked them. Well, this really happened. Every, every sin you've ever committed that you will ever commit, Jesus has satisfied the penalty. Paul writes in Romans 8, 3 and 4, the law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature, but God put into effect a different plan to save us. Now, this is going to give you the difference between the old and the new. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours is sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that requirement of law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. 100% satisfied the law, understanding that. The Bible says that Jesus' life was perfect, sinless, etc. Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record that contained the charges against us, and he took it and destroyed it by nailing Christ to the cross when he said, it is finished. If someone owed MasterCard, Dillard's, a Visa, American Express, and you had multiplied thousands, and somebody from that organization called you, said, don't send us any more payments. Your debt has been paid. I'm telling you, you'd say, whoa, that'd be, unre that'd be unbelievable. And then you call them up and said, hey, I got this statement that says, I don't owe anything else. That's right. Nothing owed. Zero balance. It is, it is not there. And then you turned around the next day and called them back and said, you know what? I sent $15 
$100 a month. It's time for me to send it. I'm just going to send it to you. The person would say to you, why? You don't owe anything. Jesus stepped to the plate, hung on the cross, die. He said, it is finished. You sin, you can get forgiveness. If you call about me, I forgive and I forget. That is the power of redemption and salvation. And Romans 10, 4 said, Christ ended the law so that everyone who believes in him may be right with God. What does that mean, ended the law? There are three kinds of law in the Old Testament. There's the legal law, the moral law, and the ceremonial law. The legal law had to do with the nation of Israel. They lived by a law. The moral law was like the Ten Commandments. We still have that. We follow the moral law in Jesus Christ. The ceremonial law, which was for priests and the religion of a sacrificial system. You see, when Jesus ended the law here, he didn't end the moral law. He said, you still got to live right, follow the Ten Commandments. But he ended the ceremonial law and the legal law. That's why that we don't follow those. You read Leviticus. You got to do this, do that, and do the other. Christ covered every bit of that. It was a part of the symbolism of the coming Messiah, taking a lamb that is spotless, not a mangy lamb, but taking a lamb that is spotless, pure, and with the blood you offer the sacrifice. Jesus said, I become the lamb of God. No more lamb have to be slain. He said, you don't have to pay attention. You just now worship. Rather than following the law, he said, you worship and you praise and you follow after me in spirit. In a nutshell, just as one person did it wrong and got us into this trouble with sin and death, another person, that's Jesus, did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us in the life. So Adam and Eve, here they are. How many can see them? Raise your hand. Adam and Eve, here they are right here. Adam and Eve, six of you. Adam and Eve. What did Adam do? Adam failed. What did Eve do? She tempted Adam. Adam failed. Adam was responsible because Adam failed God, because because he disobeyed God, because he had a perfect place. There was no shame. There was no sin, but he, he disobeyed God and said, don't touch that tree. Because of that, sin fell on our necks. One man's disobedience created that. You go to Africa where you just came from and you see the scour and you see the poverty and you see people that have no shelter. That is a result of the power of sin today because heaven was a perfect place, is a perfect. Over here, you have Jesus. How many see him over here? That's good. Jesus over here. He created the sin that followed us, he, one man, said, how do I deal with the sin? And here, we said, well, you get a sacrificial lamb. You, it's a perfect lamb, okay? And you spill the blood out. That's it. Got to go through all the ceremony, pomp and circumstance. That's right. That's a religious act. But here's the thing. Ceremonial law and civil law could not break the power of sin. That's where we're at right here. Jesus came, of course, moved from, from, uh, from B.C. to A.D. Remember that? And over here, one man became the sacrificial lamb, hung on the cross. And when he hung on the cross, he took everything 
out of the Old Testament that was hung with him on the cross and said, now in and through me, because I am spotless, without blemish, I did not sin. I can take, I can take your sin, and it is nailed to the cross. Okay, that's good so far. That's good. But right now, he's just a dead man. See? He's just a dead man. Being dead on the cross wasn't much different than being dead in the Old Testament. Dead, but here's the difference. On the third day, that which was dead went into the bowels of the earth. Hallelujah. Was not afraid because sin cannot touch the purity of the Son of God. I'm telling you, walked around like he owned the place, and the clock went, okay, 24 hours, 30 hours is there. We go through the process on three days. Hallelujah. The clock is ticking down. We just hit 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4, 5, 6, pop, 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 pop. All of a sudden, it hit the hour in which somebody has said, my Lord, how mercy, something is shaking, something is moving. The devil got a phone call from AT&T and said, the stone you had up there just rolled away. The soldiers are down and out for the count. And guess what? We had him here in hell and hear the chains. He ain't here no more. He's gone. And Jesus came forth out of that grave and said, you can take now everything over here and it's wrapped up I am the lamb of God and now you have resurrection power when he said it is finished tetelestai in the Greek he served notice to the enemy and told him your time is up but how many of you know how many of you know the devil how many think you're married to him Sure. Perfect sacrifice. How many of you know that, that he, I'm using he, okay? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say she, because I think there are far more he devils than she devils. Y'all still with me out there? But anyway, he, he was spotless. He paid my penalty. So there's something else when he said it. Colossians 1.14, God's son paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven. Hebrews 7.27, he sacrificed for their sins. Once and for all, he offered himself. Hebrews 10, 18, now that sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. You don't have to do the ceremonial law. He has been sacrificed. He says, I have called you by name. Here's the beauty of Jesus. If you were the only one, he would do it all over again. Here's another interesting thing. When he said it's finished, he conquered sin and death. Sin and death. It is finished. The sin of one man, Adam. Remember we said that? Death caused to rule over us. But all who receives God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live triumphant, live triumphant over sin and death, though this one, through this one man, Jesus Christ. When he gives you and you became saved. Now, catch this. 
You became a new creature in Christ. But here's what Jesus, when the old man left, the devil is hard-headed. You can change your cell number and the devil will get it from somebody. You can change your dresses, but the devil knows where you live. Amen? He knows where you live. And you can try to run and hide, but he knows. And he is stubborn and hard-headed and ruthless. And what does he do? Keep coming back. You're anxious. He'll just keep, he'll keep coming back. You got bitterness, you got difficulty, you got anxiety, you got, he'll just keep coming back. You come down for healing, he'll say, you're not healed. That's a bunch of garbage. That's just a ritual that they do. You got a wayward son or a daughter or grandchild, you can pray all you want to, it doesn't matter. He just keeps at it. But let me tell you what Jesus did. Hebrews 2.14, Jesus became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human he could die. And only by dying, here it is now, could he break the power of the devil. All right? So that old man controlled by the devil. But when Jesus died and came forth out of the tomb, he broke the devil's power over you. He had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those, deliver those who have lived all their lives of slave and fear of dying. In other words, when you give your heart to Jesus, when you are weak, he is strong. When you struggle, he is strong. When you let the enemy continue to weight you down with burdens, it says Jesus has given you supernatural power. You can take that to God in prayer. You can fast and you can believe. Why? Because it's important. And he says, now, how do you confess that Jesus Jesus has done a work in you, and it's by water baptism. That's why he told John the Baptist, I want you to baptize me. And the words going underwater showed that, okay, I'm dying underwater, and I'm coming out in new life. That was going to the bowels of the earth and coming out redeemed. So Romans 8 or Romans 6, 4, by our baptism, water baptism, we are buried with him and shared in his death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the death through the glorious power of the Father, so also we might live a new life. That's why water baptism is important. It's step of salvation. Yes, Lord, I receive it all. Then he says, let the world know. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Here it is. Go underwater. That's die. Come out of the water. It's like you come out of your own tomb. And say, here's what I know in my prayer and time of examination of Scripture. There are couples in this church, married couples, you've never been baptized. Get baptized. Why? Because it's important. It's a statement to your kids. Mom and dad, get baptized. Your children, get baptized. Why? Because, hey, we want to tell them a statement. They're going to go out into a cruel world. Let's get them baptized. Let's let the world know this is what Jesus means to me. Why? By our baptism. By our baptism. He says we were buried with him and shared in his death. Whatever Jesus did, I want to do. I want to do. So finally, he defeated the devil. Somebody say amen. Amen. Tetelestai. He defeated the devil. There's a cosmic war that's being played right now. Cosmic between the forces of darkness and the forces of light. 
It happens in church, it happens outside, it happens at home, happens in families. When you see a stirring of great difficulty in the, the enemy or in your family or at your job, let me just tell you, the devil's behind it somewhere. It's a cosmic war between God and Satan. And Satan, my friend, does not understand that he has lost. He lost. So when we see Jesus beat, battered, and bruised, and unrecognizable, and he says these words, it is finished, it's over, the enemy thought, finally, finally. That's good. He was a hard nut to crack, but I have him. It is finished. Paul writes in Colossians 2.15, when Jesus said it is finished, and three days later, Paul writes, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin and he openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph over the cross where your sins were all taken away. When Jesus hung there, that was one thing, but when he came out of the tomb, the whole world, the whole world, the whole world knew in that day when he hung around for 40 days and he appeared to hundreds of individuals, they thought, wow, something big has taken place. That's why you can walk in newness of life. That's why if you need healing, he can give you healing. That's why if you've got a heart that's broken, he can heal your broken heart. That's why anything that you need, if you just believe in him and begin to plan for that victory, God will give it. Why? Because Colossians 1.13 says, God has freed us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's no wonder we can say when we're saved, it is finished. But God, I am not finished. Hallelujah. When he ascended to the heavenly father and is at the right hand of the heavenly father making intercession, he's saying, don't quit down there, boys. You're not done. Let me tell you the sign that you're going to know when you are done. It's when the skies begin to shake and you hear the trumpet sound and the dead in Christ begin to rise and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, then you'll know that you are finished. It is not until then. Stay at it. Let the devil know he has no power whatsoever. He's a roaring lion, but he has no bite. That's the power. <coughs> and that's why we have the church. Amen. We come together in spirit and in truth, warped as we are, hypocritical as we are, as weird as we are. We're not a museum for right people. We are a trauma center for people who need one more touch from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Just one more touch. And as a result of that, he says, my church, the gates of hell and every lie the enemy's ever told cannot prevail against Amen. you declaring he is my Lord and my Savior. Would you stand to your feet? Let's give up a hand clap for Jesus, would you? In this room, there's some of you who may need healing, and some of you 
who may have said, I've never really made a commitment. Some of you, many of you, have never been water baptized. It's going to take place in a couple of weeks. We're going to be in the pool back there. We're going to trust. Why is that important? I just shared with you. Because of my baptism, I can declare to the world what Jesus has done. That's important. If you're lost this morning, you're hard-headed. You know, God loves you. And you can live your own selfish life and you got your own will and pride will keep you back and religion will blind you and a little dab will do you will will lead you in wrong places, wrong places. Just turn it over to Jesus. And you say, God, here I am. Do you know what it must have been like for the Son of God who had the power, didn't even have to say it? Of what could have happened if he chose not to be on the cross? He could have ascended right on back to the Heavenly Father in a split second. He didn't have to do that. But it must have took something to know that you have the trigger and the key. And all you have to do is think it. And it's over. But he hung in there. Why? Why do you think he did? Because of you. It was just you. Because of you. That being true, turn your life to him. We're going to pray this prayer, and we're going to re- he's going to repeat it after me. But I want everybody to pray it just so we get everything right. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive me of my sin. I messed up. I've blown it. And I need your forgiveness. Help me in my life to be a follower. Help me in my life to be a believer. Help me in my life to worship you. I believe you died for my sins. And I receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Whatever it is, God can touch you. If you need healing in your body, he brought healing with him. You just have to believe. You see, everything that we do has to do with faith. It's faith that exercises. God speaks to your heart and you act in faith. If you try to rationalize everything in your mind, friend, you'll be a miserable wretch. But if you just walk in faith, so many things you may not understand in Jesus Christ. God says, the the closer you get to me, the more real it will become, the more wonderful it will become. So if you need healing and you need a touch or you prayed that prayer or you have a family member, you have a grandson or granddaughter, and the minute I said grandson or granddaughter, your heart pricked because they just might be in trouble right now. And you being obedient to God may give them the shield that can only come from your obedience. Whatever it is as we sing, and I'll give the benediction a moment, you move into this aisle and let God take care of it. Would you do that? As we worship together, you come, please.